Hi, this is Ken Pierce. I'm one of the pastors at Emmanuel Christian Community. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Emmanuel is a church that believes that everyone is welcome, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. Our hope is that today's podcast will move you closer to Jesus. One hundred and twenty nanometers. That's about how large the COVID nineteen virus is. If you're like me, when I first heard that number, it meant nothing to me. I, I have no idea how big one hundred twenty nanometers is. Maybe Fred Hardwood knows, but I have no idea. So, for reference, that's about the length that your fingernail grows in about two minutes. I know. So, in other words, you can only see this under a microscope. Yet, this microscopically small virus has brought the world to its knees. Thousands of people have died, and the numbers, well, they keep climbing. Over a million people have been infected by the illness. Financial markets have lost trillions of dollars. Schools, businesses have closed. People sometimes may even think they are losing their business or they have lost their business Hospitals are at capacity. These don't seem to be happy days because of this microscopic virus. And if you follow Jesus, you often hear that in the middle of all of these non-happy days, we as Christians are supposed to be full of joy. In fact, the Bible actually clearly teaches that, that there's a joy that the deepest trouble can't shut out. But to be honest with you, I often wrestle with this whole idea of joy, no matter what. I mean, I know it's probably due to my lack of understanding, and, and I have to admit, I've been around some people that pretend they're not hurting, and that they're not disappointed, they pretend a lot, and they act this way because, well, they've been told, as a Christian, you're always supposed to be joyful, right? Rejoice always. I know, I know. I know that sounds really judgmental of me, and it is, really, but it's what it seems like to me from those folks that I've known over the years. And when I wonder, I just start thinking, what is wrong with me? I, I ask myself, why do things affect me so much? Why can't I block out the pain? Why is my joy not relentless? I remember one of the times in my life when I was down in the dumps, so to speak, I had a job that I loved, but after just three short years, it ended and it didn't end well. It was months before I felt joy again. And I, I've concluded that maybe, well, maybe I just don't understand the nature of the joy that Jesus speaks of in the Bible. Another guy in the Bible, Paul, a first century follower of Jesus, wrote this letter to some new Jesus followers in the ancient city of Rome. And we find this letter in the New Testament, and it's simply just called Romans. This whole letter, Romans, to these new Roman Christians is full of hope and full of joy. And in the middle of the letter, he talks about seeing the good in all of life's circumstances. I know, you're going through hard times. But here's what he says, and, and you can find this in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, if you want to look it up. And if you're new to the Bible, Romans is about the sixth book into the New Testament portion of the Bible. But here's what he says about that goodness and everything. He says this, he says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, 
for those who are called according to his purpose. Paul's saying that in his great sovereignty, God turns everything around for the best. Now, is that pie-in-the-sky thinking, Paul? Is that just Paul suggesting the power of positive thinking? Is, is it kind of cliche-ridden with things like, behind every cloud is a silver lining, or, or bad things are actually a blessing in disguise? Hang in there, buddy. I mean, come on, Paul. Do you really believe that all things work together for the good? Well, he does. He believes that. And after reading the whole section, this whole chapter, in which this one verse appears, here's what I think Paul is getting at. If you love and follow God, everything that happens in your life can mold you, sculpt you, polish you, and shape you into the image of his son, Jesus. If you love and follow God, Everything that happens in your life can mold you, sculpt you, polish you, and shape you into the image of His Son, Jesus. And that, this being shaped into the image of Jesus, that should lead to joy. So the big question is, how? How do things like a pandemic shape us? How does that lead to joy? So we're going to do a little something different today. A few times during the short message, I'm going to ask you to just stop, to pause, and to think about what I'm saying for just a few minutes. So here's our first pause. I want you to pause and consider this question. Has this been your experience? Has everything that happened in your life molded and shaped you into the image of His Son, Jesus? and explain your answer, because it is kind of a yes or no question. I'll give you some time to pause and think about that. If you love and follow God, everything that happens in your life can mold you, sculpt you, polish you, and shape you into the image of His Son, Jesus. And that should lead us to joy. What I call a Jesus-shaped joy. It's my made-up term. It's not in the Bible. A Jesus-shaped joy. When Paul made this statement that all things work together for the good, he is talking to new Roman Christians who are living in a suffering world. And it's marked by brokenness. He talks about, about trouble, about persecution, how Jesus' followers will live in a world like that. It's unavoidable. I appreciate what Pastor Tim Keller says about this. He says, this verse says that all things happen to Christians. All things. That is, the Christian's circumstances are no better than anyone else's. It's extremely important for us to understand this. If we're going to be molded to be like Jesus and experience this Jesus-shaped joy, we should not be under any illusion. Terrible things do happen to people who love God. Horrible things happen. And they can happen to us. And believing in and loving and serving God will not keep bad things from happening. But we are taught that God will give bad things good impacts in our life. But don't, be, don't misunderstand, they're still bad. 
Now, Jesus shows us that he hates loneliness, alienation, pain, and suffering. Jesus hates it so much that he was willing to come into this world and experience it all himself so that eventually, on the cross, he could destroy it without it destroying us. Now, I want to pause again and ask you to consider this question. When has something come into your life that was really difficult, but in the end, you have seen good impact in your life? I'm just going to give you some time to think about that or to talk about it in your group. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So, as we've already discussed, this verse does not promise that those who love God will necessarily have better circumstances, nor does this verse say that bad things are actually good things. It's not saying that. Rather, it's acknowledging, it acknowledges that these are bad things. This pandemic, this sickness that we're experiencing, the death, all the things, the ways this is affecting us, even psychologically, in and of themselves, these are bad things. But this verse does promise that they're working for good. That means God can work them to a good effect in mine and your lives. The gospel does not promise you better life circumstances but it does promise you a better life. Now, that's a bit of a mouthful, so I want to unpack that just a little bit because this is going to lead us to, to answer the how question. How does suffering lead me to a Jesus-shaped joy? Okay, so let me just unpack that a little bit. You might think, I didn't get the job I wanted, but that's okay because there's a better job for me out there somewhere. Or I didn't marry the man or the woman I wanted to marry. But that means there's a better one for me somewhere. Oh, please, don't be confused. God does not promise me or promise you better life circumstances if we love him. He promises us a better life. And jobs and marriages and a pandemic are circumstances. And we're talking about a joy that goes beyond circumstances. So let me just kind of say that principle again. The gospel does not promise you better life circumstances. It promises you a better life. So where does this leave us? Let's get to the how. Again, I think Paul is saying, if you love and follow God, everything that happens in your life can mold you, sculpt you, polish you, and shape you into the image of his son. And so here's the how. Here's how I think this works itself out. You see, hard times, pandemics, make us see that we're not in control like we thought we were. They make us see that we are not in control, and we thought we were. Recently, local pastor and theologian Daryl Johnson was asked a similar question. He was asked, how does something like a pandemic shape us into the image of Jesus? How does a pandemic lead us to joy? And, and Daryl had several thoughts. Uh, but one of them that stood out to me was what he said, and this is what he said. He said, God is letting us realize just how vulnerable we humans are in a broken world. 
and we're not in control of our own existence. We live in an era that constantly tells us we are in charge and we can do anything we want. We are the masters of our own destiny. But come on, this virus has made it clear we are not in control. We are quite vulnerable. Heck, we can't even live without toilet paper. We are not in control. <laughs> we are being told by a sweet, blonde-headed doctor we didn't even know a month ago to not even leave our homes. Jobs are at risk. Businesses are at risk. Savings accounts are being drained. And this should send us to our knees, to a place where we recognize that we need God and we depend on his daily mercies. Do you understand this? How does a pandemic give me joy? It shows me that I need God. It shows me that I'm not in control. And as we grasp that truth, we move from pandemic-level anxiety to, to joy, to a Jesus-shaped joy. But quite often, we have to be broken down before the building up can occur. I'm going to ask you to pause again and consider another question. How has this experience shown you a need to depend on God? How has this experience shown you a need to depend on God. Well, for some, this has been absolutely crazy, this whole pandemic. I've talked to several people and their lives, well, their lives were already experiencing some significant hardships without the pandemic. And the pandemic has just increased that exponentially. And for some of you, I know, I, I know, your, your kids are, are bouncing off the walls. <laughs> your spouse has begun to annoy you at levels that you never thought possible, and there's nowhere to go. And the truth is, you have no control, and you need something. No, no, you need someone outside of yourself to bring you peace. You need God more than ever right now. And if we don't stop and consider what Paul is saying, then we'll miss it. This is why today I'm asking you on several occasions to stop literally and consider what God is up to. I mentioned earlier that I didn't have much joy at the time of losing that job that I loved. I felt devalued. But what if I would have allowed the feeling of being devalued calls me to turn to God and to see how He values me. That would have led to joy. I felt embarrassed and, and I felt I had failed my family, that I had let my family down. But what if I had paused and seen that, that God is, had something entirely different for me and, and even needed to get me away from that so that I could see it? This was a circumstance, but the bigger picture was something that should be cause for joy. And if I would have realized that God will always take care of my family, even if I think it's totally up to me, 
those things would have led to joy. I, I just didn't have the maturity at the time, but if I would have, it would have shaped me. It would have molded me. It would have made me more like Christ. Then I think I would have been able to be joyful, even in the middle of a really hard life situation for me. So, with that in mind, we look at this current pandemic and we ask, how is God using this, a pandemic, to shape me to be more like Christ? How do I find joy in this? I'm going to just quickly share from my own experience, and then I'm going to leave it to you to determine some of your own conclusions and how God is using this circumstance to bring joy about uh, to bring joy in your life, to bring about His good in your life. Uh, the big one for me personally is because of the pandemic, uh, those of us living in my community house, we are closer than we've ever been before. We've had a few arguments, yes. We've shed some tears. Uh, we've had a lot of meals together. We've started coming together in the evenings, reading Scripture and praying together. We've played a lot because of this pandemic, we are closer than we've ever been before. And maybe it's hard to see how God could work this for the good. Especially when you look at the individual parts and not the whole. When you're looking at the tree and not the forest. And so I'm praying that we would all have eyes to see that big picture. The question for us. The question for me, the question for you, is that will we pause, will we step back from the circumstance and seek to see how God is using this for his and for your good? If you love and follow God, everything that happens in your life can mold you, sculpt you, polish you, and shape you into the image of his son, Jesus. You can have a Jesus-shaped joy. Now, I have one last question for you to consider. But I feel like you and I need a prayer as well. So I want to pray for us, and then I'll give you that last question. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you will give us eyes to see the big picture. Help us to stop, to pause, to consider, yes, the circumstance, but more importantly, the bigger picture of what you're seeing and what you're doing. Amen. So to close off this time, I want you to consider one last time to pause and consider this question. What are some ways in which I have seen in my own life and in the lives of some others good coming from this pandemic? What are some ways in which I have seen in my own life and in the lives of others some good coming from this pandemic?